Hello there. Welcome to the Beloved Son Ministry Show, where we who were once only the prodigal children now dare believe that we really are the beloved children of the Father. This Father who has loved us with an everlasting love. So now, let us come together, yes, in all of our brokenness, in all of our woundedness, but also in all of our belovedness, to share with one another the impact God has had on our lives and the impact that He continues to have in our lives, so that our curses may become crosses and our crosses may truly become blessings. So welcome home, my beloved brothers and sisters. So let us begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they, they, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus advanced in wisdom and age and favor before God and man. Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for loving us so much that in the fullness of time you sent your Son to earth and the Word became flesh for us. That while we were still sinners, you saved us. We thank you for loving us so much. We ask you to be with us this evening. Um, walk with us as we come to contemplate and to meditate upon your Word so that we can grow closer to you and to grow deeper in love with you. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Good evening again, everyone. I hope um, you all had a nice weekend and had some good times with your family um, this past week. And um, so, you know, two weeks ago we started this, and the first um, session or the first week, the theme was um, being lost, right? Being lost and the gift of um, receiving. And then last week we had the um, um, being led and a gift of um, being. And now this week we come to the theme of being found and the gift of loving. And so this is our third installment of four. The last one will be this coming Sunday on Pentecost Sunday um, at 1 p.m. Um, but being, being found um, is, is, I think, um, it brings a lot of um, joy to one's heart when you have found something that you've lost. I mean, I can think of uh, many times in my life when I have lost something. Right? And we, we turn and we pray to St. Anthony, we, we pray to you know, Lord Jesus, let me find this, find that. 
and uh, there, there was a time when I was um, working when I lost my car keys and I, I couldn't find it anywhere. I was at work and then by the time I, I, I was finished working, you know, I showed my pockets and I couldn't find my keys. And I looked everywhere. I looked, I looked on the streets, I looked in, inside the building, I looked on the grass, I looked everywhere. But um, it, it wasn't to be found. And so I don't remember exactly how um, I got home that night, but, but eventually um, I, I had a spare key at my house and so I was able to get that key in so, um, and bring my car back. Um, or we see on the streets, on the, um, on the utility pole, sometimes we see ads for lost pets, right? And, you know, and I, so now I just, I just want to in, invite you to think about a time when you've lost something, whether it's an object, whether it's a pet or an animal, or if it's someone dear to you. Um, just take a minute to, to think about a time in, in your life, in, in your history, when, when you lost something. You know, for me, there was a time, a, a, a very scary time for me um, in one of these summers when, when I had a friend and suddenly he seemed to have dropped off the face of the earth and I couldn't, he wouldn't respond to calls, he wouldn't do this and, 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 and I didn't know what happened. Like Mary, I was anxious. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know where he was. Um, it, it, it must have been for about a month, a month or so, that I've been trying to find this friend of mine and calls nothing, emails nothing, um, and, and, and then I, I, I search for, you know, addresses to see if uh, he might be at some of, some of the other friends' homes and stuff like that. So, so, so I finally found him, and when I knocked on the door, you know, my heart was racing because I, I wasn't sure if, if, if he'd be there. I wasn't sure if, if everything was okay with him, you know, and, and, and um, I can still recall the moment when the, the door was opened and it was, I guess, a housemate or someone. And I said, you know, is so-and-so here? And I said, yeah, give me a second. And he, he came out. You know, like Mary, I wanted, I wanted to say, do you know how worried I was? You didn't return my calls, you don't return emails, all of us are trying to look for you, and, 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 and like, 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 what, like, what's going on? And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just needed time for myself. And you know, we talked, and then we sorted through some things. And but I would now I want you to look at the time when you lost someone or something. You know, go through those emotions. 
as a person who is trying to find someone, like Mary, we could have felt anxious, maybe a little scared, nervous, um, our hearts racing. But also, now let's think about the, the, the person on the other end. What could have they have been feeling? Maybe they also felt some, some sort of anxiety because they now need to confront this person who was looking for them. Right. And so, like Jesus, um, well, Jesus gave a very different answer to Mary. Right? He said, well, why are you looking for me? Then you know that I was going to be in my, in my father's house. But of course, we're told that Mary and Joseph did not really fully understand what he meant by that. But that they were calm and they brought him home to Nazareth. And Jesus became obedient to them. And then Mary pondered all these things in, in her heart. And so, tonight, this evening, I want to focus on three, um, three sets of um, words. All right? The first set is the found and the finder. Alright, and then the second is the salt and the seeker. And the third set is the beloved and the lover. Alright, um, in the very beginning of this uh, series, we talk about the prodigal son. How this, you know, this man who had two sons, the younger son wanted his share of the inheritance, and then he went off. And he left, and he used up the money on, on, on things that were not useful. And then he sold himself out to, um, to feed the swine. And then he got to a point where he said, you know what, I, why am I doing this? And then he got up and then he went back home to his father. And that's where I want to resume this evening with the found and the finder. Let us go back now to, to this intense scene when the son, the younger son, finally realized when his face was full of dirt and all that and, and he finally came to his senses saying, you know what, I'm gonna go back home to my father. So now let's go back. If you're following is Luke chapter 15. Uh, Luke chapter 15, we're gonna begin on uh, with verse 17 okay so allow me to now to just read the the passage for now coming to his senses he thought how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough to eat but here i am dying from starvation i shall get up and go to my father and i shall say to him father i've sinned against heaven and against you I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, the father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants quickly 
Bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life, which was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. I want all of you to just close your eyes now. I want you to imagine the scene. I want to invite you now to be with the younger son in the dirt, fighting with the pigs. Put yourself with him. Think how desperate, how alone he must have felt. And now, rise with him. He's about to run and go back to his father. What sort of movements in his heart might have been going on? Was there a heart, was there a movement in a heart that says, you know what, I, I feel so bad. I, 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 I left home and I, I ditched my family, and, but, but now I want to go back. Maybe there was a feeling of guilt, of shame, of sadness, of regret. Be with him. Be with the younger son just for, just for a moment. Now you're walking with him. You're walking towards home. You're walking towards the town. Maybe you even caught a glimpse of your father from afar. Imagine this son seeing the father from afar and seeing the father running to him. What must he have experienced then? Maybe he was saying, oh no, he's running. Is he going to yell at me? Is he going to come in and, and smack me up in the head? What's he going to do? Or maybe he's thinking, oh, does he see me? Does he see me? What could the son have been thinking and feeling when he saw the father running towards him? Was it anxiety? Was it joy? And now put yourself with the Father. You know, you're waiting near your home day after day, looking in the distance to see if your son's coming back home. And I guess this story can be very real for some of our parents who whose children may have gone down a path that you really wish he would turn away from. And yet you pray day in and day out, hoping that he'll turn from his ways or her ways and return home. What, what were you feeling? Maybe you were feeling at times maybe hopeful, but maybe at times hopeless. And now imagine you as a father seeing this son of yours who you haven't seen for some time. And you see him slowly making his way back. What do you feel? What is the first thought that comes to your mind? What is the first emotion that you feel?
for this father, the first thought that came to his mind probably was, my son is back, I'm going to go and greet him. And the first feeling he must have felt must have been an over-ecstatic joy. So now let us run. Run towards the Son, run towards the Father. And then now imagine that embrace. The embrace when the younger son gets on his knees and is about to make this apology to the Father and then you see the Father just holding his son. Imagine that scene. Imagine the Father Embracing and hugging the son, kissing his head. You see, the younger son, he was only worried about what he should say to the father. He was worried about what words might he need to use to appease the father for fear that he was angry with him. But what did the father do? The father said, bring him the robe and the ring and a, and a pair of sandals. He didn't care how long he was away. He didn't care that he used up all his money. He didn't care about any of those material things. All that mattered to the father was that his son was home. And this is very symbolic, you see. Because what the Father did, now do you remember in our first session, I said that by the younger son leaving home, he was leaving behind his identity. He was leaving behind who he was to try to make something of himself. He, he already said to the Father, I wish you were dead because I'm taking your inheritance and I'm leaving. I'm no longer your son, right? Do you remember that? But now, what the father is doing is that he is restoring the son to his sonship. Right? The father says, give him um, a robe, give him a ring, and put sandals on his feet. Now, at least for me, what these three things symbolize is the threefold office that we share of Jesus is at our baptism. When we receive the inheritance, right? Because Jesus, we're told, his threefold office is what? Priest, prophet, and king. Right? The robe could be symbolizing of his priestly um, authority, his priestly office, like how priests wear chasubles, right? Ring for royalty and sandals for profit so that he can go and walk and announce the good news, right? So at least to me, how I read this through my meditation is that the father restored the son to his sonship. And for us today as Catholics and as Christians, we can see this as restoring us to what was given to us at our baptism our share in the threefold office of Jesus, of priest, prophet, and king. That when we 
go on our wayward ways and when we sin and we do not go back to the Father and yet we keep going down the wrong path. But once we go back, once we go to that confession, once we make our confession to the Father by His absolution, we are restored to our sonship. We are restored to sharing in the threefold office of Christ. How beautiful that is. I mean, if I was, if I had a son and, and he did that to me, I may have been like, um, okay, first of all, you got to work, you got to earn your keep, right? You got to do all these things before I will restore anything to you, right? Tough love, I can call it, but, 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 but this father, he wanted the son to know that he was loved. This father wanted the son to know that despite taking the inheritance, despite rejecting the father, despite leaving home, despite rejecting his identity, the father's love for him never changed, never wavered. And, this, and the younger son felt it. And so, the father who was the finder is now with the found, the younger son. Now we know the story doesn't end there, right? What happens next? The older son. The older son. He's a bit resentful. He's a bit angry. And he, and he refuses to be consoled. Let's hear about it. Now the older son had been out in the field and on his way back as he neared the house he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said to him, Your brother has returned home, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, Look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son, your son, returns who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf. The father said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. I'm sure in your experience you come across that sometimes 
people don't want to be found. Like my friend. He just wanted to be away and didn't want to be found. And it's difficult. Because as the finder, you want your friend, your brother, your sister, your daughter, your son, whoever, you want them home safe and sound. But sometimes they don't want that. And this was the case with the older son. When the son heard the sound of rejoicing, we're told that the first feeling he felt was anger. He felt angry. And he refused to enter the house. So what does the father do? He comes out. It is always the Father who comes to us. Our God is the God who comes to us. You know, oftentimes um, we say to ourselves, Oh, I'm, I'm going to Mass now. Or I'm going to go to the chapel. I'm going to go this, go there. And sometimes we, we, we phrase it in a way that it's sort of like, We're going to go find Jesus. Right? But the question is this. When you go to Mass, who's already there? Jesus. Right? He's, he's, he's already in the tabernacle waiting for you. So it is not... So the, so the mentality isn't, I'm not going to go to Mass now because it's Sunday and I want to fulfill my Sunday obligation. But rather... Jesus is waiting for me. Let me go to Mass. Do you see that difference? The difference is that it is God who initiates. And our faith is our response to that invitation. But the older son chose to not RSVP. Chose to not respond to the invitation. And so, here the father wanted to seek reconciliation with the older son. But he didn't want it. The seeker could not reconcile with the salt. Because the salt did not want to be reconciled. Maybe he did. But we're told, we're not told that in the context of this parable. You don't know. Because I think the wisdom of, of, the, of, of Luke is, is that, you see, in the previous parables, we see the lost coin and the lost sheep. We're told they were found in the end of story, right? But the human heart is a tricky one. Because God won't force himself in to your heart if you don't want him there. Just like the father won't, won't drag the, the, um, the older son into the house and say, come, at, you know, come home, your brother is home, and, and we're going to celebrate. He didn't. He didn't. Because he would not infringe upon 
the freedom and the free will and the free choice of the, of the older son. If your heart don't want it, that doesn't want it, then okay. But I, I as Father can only hope and pray that you will join us. But if you don't, I'm not going to force you. And how true is that for us today in our lives? You know, sometimes we pray for people and we want people's good, but yet we can't change for them, right? Whatever it is that we're praying for that person, we can't do it for them. They need to want it on their own. And that's the mystery of the heart. But notice what the father is that despite the young the older son not wanting to go in, look what the father does. The father calls him son. The father reminds him that even though you're you're not responding to me now, and you don't want to come into the house, you're still my son. For he says, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. The father reminds the son of his identity. Even in the older son's stubbornness and rejection of the father, the father still shows his son that his love for him is not dependent on whether or not he rejects him or not. He says, my son, you're here with me always. That even if you choose to leave me, in your heart, I'm always there with you. And whenever you're ready, whenever you want to come back, I'm there with you. That's our Heavenly Father. He reminds us constantly that He is with us, even when we choose to not enter into His house to rejoice. Even in our stubbornness of heart, He stays with us. And He reminds us that we belong to Him. We belong in His house. He reminds us that. He says, for, for you are here with me always. Not I am just with you, but you are with me always. Because it is in me that you have life. It is in me that you have identity. It is in me that you have um, Um, the opportunity to, to, to do all these things. Right? It is with me that apart from the Father, we really have nothing. So unfortunately, there is no happy ending. Well, I mean, there is a happy ending in terms of the younger son who went home, but, but with the older son... There is no happy ending, or we don't know it. Maybe there is that's not written. Right? And so here we are. We see that with the younger son, it's the finder and the found. Right? The seeker and the sought with the older son, but yet he didn't want to reconcile. And now... We're going to go into the beloved 
and the lover with Jesus as apostles. But before that, let's take a quick one minute break. Um, I'm gonna grab some water and, and I'll be right back, okay? Alrighty, um, let's get back to <clears throat> um, so here um, we 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 are now at, at the resurrection. Okay, and if you, if you want to follow along, I'm going to read from John chapter twenty, verse nineteen and following. John nineteen. I mean, John 20, verse 19 and following. All right. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the doors were locked, where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace. Be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Now, there's a detail here that sometimes we can overlook. Yes, she does appear to the apostles, but there's something very interesting. Now, maybe you've already noticed this already before, but... The doors were locked. The doors were locked. Jesus came and stood in their midst, but the doors were locked. Right? It, it, have you ever thought about that? That the doors were locked, yet Jesus was able to go in and stand in their midst. And for us today, locked doors do not prevent Jesus from being able to touch 
people's lives, right? Just because we're closed off, it doesn't mean that Jesus is unable to reach us. He breaks down all the barriers between the Father and us. Whatever it may be, whether it's shame, whether it's anxiety, whether it's our past sins, whether it's um, an uncertainty, whatever it, whatever it may be, Jesus, the same Jesus who appeared to the apostles through the locked doors, this Jesus breaks down these barriers that prevents the Father from coming to us, that prevents us from going to the Father. Jesus breaks down the barriers. And not only does he break down the, break down the barriers, he is a bridge builder. He is the bridge that is laid down for us so that, so that we can cross. Because sometimes we feel a gap between God and us. And that gap might be because of our sinfulness. Might be because of our shame. Whatever it is. Jesus says, let me be that bridge for you so you can cross to the Father. And this was shown most plainly at the Incarnation. That because of our Lord's Incarnation, heaven and earth can now touch. That at every Mass, heaven touches the earth. Right? Because of Jesus. We're told that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is the way. Not just a guiding light, not just um, a, a map, but he is the way. Meaning what? We walk the way. We walk on the way. Jesus is the path itself for us. He bridges the gap, yes, and He will break down barriers, but the one place that He will not barge in is into our hearts. He may be all around it, He may be in front of us, next to us, beside us, but He won't enter into your heart if you do not want Him to. If you do not allow Him to, He would not violate your Space, he would not say, you know what, I'm going to bargain. No, he will respect you because if you don't want him in, he won't go in. And maybe you, you've seen the, the painting of Jesus knocking at the door, right? That's the door to your heart, let's say. You see, Jesus was able to go through the locked doors of the house. But whether or not he got through into the hearts of all the apostles, at least then, we don't know. But eventually, yes. But we know that there is one apostle that didn't um, believe. And that's Thomas. But, but we'll get there later. But be, be, before I go there, I want to um, look at the first things that Jesus says. The very first words that Jesus 
said to, to the disciples was, was peace. Peace be with you and with us. Whenever we are struggling, whenever we feel lost, whenever we feel uncertain, Jesus says to us, peace. I know you're nervous. I know you're anxious. I know you're scared. I know you're unsure. But be at peace, for I am here. And then, what does he do next? He shows the disciples his wounds, the nail marks, and the wood on his side. Why is that? Because we are healed by his wounds. Now he's on, I don't think he was showing them to say, look, look what you made me go through for you. No. I think he was saying, look, here I am. It's really me. And I'm here because I love you. I'm here because I want you to be strengthened, to receive peace. And then the next time he says, receive the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus comes to us, and when we allow him to enter, the first words that he, say, that he says to us is, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And then he shows you his wounds. I love you. Don't worry about anything. I've conquered death. Whatever it is that you're thinking you're going through that is so difficult, don't worry. I've got it. I'm going to go through it with you. So now, with Thomas, he, was, he, he wasn't there. And we wonder why. But then we were told, so Thomas called Didymus. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. So the, other, so the other apostles said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my fingers into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside the house and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Sometimes we can be like Thomas. We don't want to believe. We don't see Jesus. We don't see God. We, we don't feel Him. We, we just say, you know what? Unless I see some proof, I'm not going to believe that He came back from the dead. Or for us, unless I see some proof that God exists, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to believe. I'm just not. 
and even in Thomas's unbelief and disbelief, Jesus came back for him. Even when we choose to not be present, our Lord will always come back for us. Our Lord will never cease to come find us. And he never ceases to impart his peace on us. And he never ceases to send the Spirit upon us. Right? He can say peace all he wants, but if we don't allow that to come into our hearts, we would not feel that peace. Unless we want to receive the Spirit, receive the peace, receive the love, unless we choose to receive it, it won't reside within us. It won't calm our fears. It won't calm our anxieties. So even though our Lord again entered through the locked doors of the room, He can't and He won't barge through the door, the locked doors of your heart unless you let him in. And so Thomas believed, he says, my Lord and my God. Because he has seen the Lord. But for us Christians today, 2,000 years later, we do not believe, I mean, we do not see, we can't see him physically walking around the streets. But yet, we believe. We believe because unlike the apostles who were able to to. to, to to um, see with their physical eyes. Today we see with the eyes of faith, with the eyes of our hearts, that I know Jesus exists, I know God exists, I know Jesus is with me because I feel that peace and that joy and that light that no one can take from me. That is why I believe. I believe because I walk by faith and not by sight. And if there is anyone out there, or if you know anyone who is struggling with feeling and with seeing and with believing, I encourage you to keep praying for them. Don't pray, oh God, please, please help Tommy believe or please help Judy um, come to the faith. Pray, Lord, may your will be done in Tommy's life. May your will be done in Judy's life. And may your will be done in my life. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and everything else will follow. So to conclude, we can see that at the heart of any relationship, at the heart of the found and the finder, the sought and the seeker, the beloved and the lover, at the heart of all that is love. Because we were first loved, we were able to be found. There is no finding without love. We seek and search because we love. 
If we didn't love this person, we wouldn't go out and try to find them. We, we wouldn't want to go out and make sure that they're okay. It is because there is love there. We find, we seek, we search, and because we love. And God seeks us. God comes to us. God finds us because he loves us. From our human standpoint, those sons, the prodigal son, the younger son, and the older son, maybe in our minds, maybe we feel that they don't deserve to be loved by the Father, that they, they don't deserve to be forgiven, they don't deserve to be taken back home. But that's a problem with us, is that love isn't something that we deserve. Love is something that we can earn, but it is given, but it must be received. And that's the difference between the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. The sheep and the coin, they don't, they, they can't receive love. They, they, they can't show that because it's not part of their faculties to receive love in a sense that humans do, right? For example, you know, if I lost my watch and I find, oh, I feel so happy because I found my watch, the watch doesn't feel, oh, I'm happy too that you found me, right? It, it doesn't. But, 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 but with humans, there is an added component of there must be a willingness to receive on their part. We must make the decision to receive the love, the peace, the forgiveness, and the joy that is given to us freely. There are always, the Father is always giving those things to us. But do we receive it? The Father is constantly looking for us and waiting to embrace us and to kiss us. But do we want it? Are we willing to walk back like the prodigal son to meet the Father who comes to embrace us? Or will we stand outside the house and refuse to be consoled? Will we allow Jesus to not only enter into the locked doors of our homes, but will we allow him to enter into the locked doors of our hearts? It is only in receiving, in the willingness to open our hearts to love, that are we able to love. Only by receiving something are we able to give it. So it is in being found that we come to realize that we have been so loved. So loved not because we earned it or deserve it, but because we received it and it was given to us. And because we have been so loved, we now dare to love. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you always seek us out. You always search for us. You, you always find us. You always look for us. And you're always ready 
to forgive us, to console us, to embrace us. Give us the courage and the humility to open our hearts to receive your love and give, and give us the perseverance through difficult times to persevere in your love and teach me and encourage me that in being loved that we may go out and love others. We ask all this in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining me. Um, the last installment will be this Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, at 1 p.m. after Mass um, in the afternoon. At 1 p.m. it will be... Um, that's the same format live streamed and that will be the, the conclusion of our series so we've gone from week one from being lost and the gift of of uh, receiving and then th the second week to the uh being led and the gift of um being and this week being found in the gift of loving and then next and then on sunday our final installment is being sent forth and a gift of living. So I hope to see you then. Until then, stay safe, take care, and God bless. For more audios, videos, blog entries, and other resources, please visit us at www.belovedsonministry.org.